Our first reading comes from Isaiah chapter 55. Come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk, without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear, and come to me. Hear that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant. My steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that you did not know you shall run to you. Because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, that he may have compassion on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I propose, and shall succeed in the things for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, instead of the brayer shall come up the myrtle, and it shall make, make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our epistle reading comes from Colossians chapter 2. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith, the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. This is the word of the Lord. Our gospel reading comes from the book of John, chapter 1. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. 
yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the word of the Lord. In the name of our Lord Jesus, amen. Advent greetings and grace to all of you. I'd like to reread just a couple of verses from, uh, well, from last Sunday, from Malachi chapter 3. Return to me and I will return to you. But the rest of the verse, which I didn't read last Sunday, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way should we return? In a few verses from last Sunday's gospel, John the Baptist said, Bear fruits worthy of repentance. So the people asked him, just like in Malachi, What shall we do? The tax collector said, What shall we do? The soldiers asked, What shall we do? And John said, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And then from the uh, second lesson that Chris or read just a moment ago, that by the circumcision of Christ, we were buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith, the working of God, who raised him from the dead. Again, it's good to see everyone. This midweek service uh, are part of our preparation for the celebration of Christmas. A lot of preparations are underway as they should be, but this preparation, our spiritual preparation, is indeed what will make Christmas the best for us. Last week, Pastor Adel focused on the advent of Jesus into the whole world for judgment and for justification. The world is, as everyone knows, full of evil and chaos, and Christ came to bring peace into this world through the way in which he dealt with sin. Last week, uh, or this week, I want to focus on the way Jesus makes his advent into our hearts personally and individually. Malachi uh, gave us that great advent command and promise, return to me and I will return to you. But as I said, it was followed by the question, what shall we do? How do we return? Many things interfere with Jesus' advent into our hearts personally. Or there are things that just make that advent not as good as it probably should be. So here's three ways, I would say, that the effort of Christ to come into our hearts personally falls short. One person may say, for example, I, I'm going to return to the Lord. I'm going to repent in this way. I'm sorry about my anxiety, my depression, my lack of success, uh, the struggles and problems I have in my marriage or in my family with my parents or my children or my friends. I'm sorry for the last lack of success that I have achieved in my life and so on and so forth. Now, this kind of approach to the Lord fails because it doesn't go down as deep as it should when it comes to our repentance before the Lord. 
everything that I just described, there's nothing really wrong with it except that it isn't exactly what God is calling us to. Jesus didn't come to be a savior for our problems in life, uh, but, he, but more than that, came to be the savior for our sin. There was a friend of Martin Luther who was kind of thinking along these same lines. Uh, in fact, he, he kind of thought of himself as sort of a little sinner to which Luther wrote in a letter saying, therefore, my faithful request and admonition is that you join our company and associate with us who are real, great, and hard-boiled sinners. That's the kind of advent that Christ wants to have into our hearts individually and personally. Another one that falls short goes something like this. I'm sorry for everything I've done wrong. Can we talk about something happier now? Now, this kind of approach to the advent of Christ personally in our lives, again, there's some good to it. It's, not, it's very good to be able to say, I'm sorry for all that I've done wrong. We do so every time we pray the Lord's prayers. We just did. Forgive us our trespasses. But that isn't the only way the Lord wants to make his advent into our hearts and lives. That Lord's Prayer and that very important fifth petition is also set right in the middle of the entire Sermon on the Mount. And if you go back and look at that sermon very carefully, you will see that Jesus fills out what he means by forgive us our trespasses. For in that Sermon on the Mount, he calls us to repent of our deepest thoughts, even our deepest feelings that are contrary to the Word of God. Paul, in his second letter to the uh, Corinthians, told us we should examine ourselves to the point of even asking, are we still in the faith? Very serious approach to this uh, uh, advent of the Lord into our lives personally and individually. And a third uh, problematic way of thinking about this personal advent of Christ into our lives would go like this. I'm sorry for some really stupid things I've done, but I'm making up for it now. This person is looking to Jesus for guidance. Again, that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's not all that Jesus wants us to look to him for, especially he wants us to look to him for forgiveness. God has given us many moral guides, Moses being one of the greatest of all, but even Moses himself told us to look for a prophet who was coming greater than Moses. And this is the one that Malachi and John the Baptist were both talking about. Jesus is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit and gives us forgiveness and faith, his work, the working of God to strengthen us to do the will of the Lord. And that brings us to the right kind of advent personally and individually into our hearts. I have three words maybe to have you mark down or at least try to remember. Evaluation, realization, and reformation. Evaluation. We as Advent people thinking about the approach of Christmas and thinking about the approach of Christ thinking about Christ approaching and coming into our, our own hearts individually, of course we know there must be beginning of all things repentance. 
And we also know from everything I've said already in many, many other sermons that that repentance needs to be honest and robust. It isn't that we have to enumerate every single sin that we can possibly think of, as was so often done in the Middle Ages, but what God really wants us not to do is to avoid any sins. All of us face different temptations. One person struggles with an addiction, another with anger. One with spiritual laziness, another one with controlling their tongue. Uh, An evaluation of our hearts is something that God can do for us and help us with. And so in my own personal life, what I always try to do is pray that God would help me search out my heart to make sure there's nothing hiding in the corners somewhere that I'm not thinking of, that I'm not bringing before his throne of grace for forgiveness. This is also why we study God's word, why we come to church while we open our Bibles and read. As we do so, there the Lord often exposes those things that need to be brought before him for forgiveness and salvation. And if prayer doesn't always complete everything or studying God's word, then just go ask your wife or your husband. I'm sure they'll help you figure out what might be wrong in your heart as well. Evaluation. The Second thing, to bring about a beautiful, personal, and individual advent of Christ into our hearts is realization. Realization of what God has done for us in Christ and what forgiveness really means. I am sad. I see in the news so often notable people who fall prey to some vice in their life. Because they are so notable and popular, the world around them viciously attacks them and calls for them to admit to their guilt. But then what happens next is worst of all. The world takes that guilt and just beats them to death with it and never lets them forget how bad they were. When people do that, I remember Jesus and what happened when the men came to him who wanted to stone the woman caught in adultery. And Jesus said, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. I feel sorry for some of those notable people. They've done some very bad things. Now, what they need to know, though, is it isn't the world that's going to help them. It is only God. And this is what the cross is all about. And this is what Christ's life and his death is all about. Paul said that, that all of those sins and that guilt that, that, that we would want to get rid of and that the world would love to keep reminding us of, Jesus nailed it to the cross with himself to destroy it and to put it away once and for all. Paul said to the Colossians, this is the putting off of the sins of our flesh. This is the very working of God. What a wonderful thing for us to realize. This is what forgiveness does for us. And the third word, evaluation, realization, and finally, reformation. We are still going to struggle with problems in life, anxiety, depression, afflictions, and so on. But what forgiveness promises What it realizes for us in our life is that the core is good. As the the hymn says, it is well with my soul. And so 
one of the words of Malachi and John the Baptist to the people in their Advent messages was, begin doing what is right. We repent, we are forgiven, and now we live our lives to do what is good and right and salutary. And very carefully, we don't do that as though it's some sort of fee that we have to pay to earn our salvation, nor do we do it because that might make us feel better. Sometimes it does make us feel better. Living by God's commandments will always make life on earth better, but it won't make us always feel good. We do it because it pleases God, and ultimately that which pleases God will please us. And so congratulations, we are here. The preparations are well underway but especially your spiritual preparations are happening right now to give you a happier holiday, a happiness through holiness, through the forgiveness of sins in Christ, leading to eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen.